Oh yeah. Canceled too soon. A podcast. Podcast. About TV. Television shows. That were. That were very, very short. Canceled too soon. One season or less. Oh yeah. This week on Canceled Too Soon. Space Rangers. Thorson, you just decked my fiance. Yeah. I did. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for Crave Online and Blumhouse.com. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold, and I am the president. <laughs> just, of, just of stuff. Just, just of everything. Yeah. King of everything. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I am also a film critic of some stripe, as you might have noticed. I write for various websites around the internet. Yes. And I'm the co-host of the B-Movies podcast. From, from, whence, we from whence We Hail. From Whence We Hail. This week on Cancel Too Soon... We're gonna. We have a, a show that was donated to us by a fan. We're gonna read mm. their comments about it because they wrote a great note. But before we even get to that, we want to make a few announcements. 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 That's our announcements theme. Yes. Composed by Whitney Seibold. Mm. Performed by Whitney Seibold. Every time you use it, yeah. I get a nickel. Yeah. Produced by <laughs> Billy Corgan for some reason. T Bone Burnett did that yeah, one. There you go. Um, first off, uh, we had our most recent Twitter poll. Uh, to reveal which series we're going to review in the upcoming month, we, we uh, what, what were the what were the possibilities on our Twitter poll, William? The possibilities mm. were Tequila and Benetti, uh, which is a which, early... came, which came in fourth. <laughs> <laughs> we're a little disappointed on that. We will do Tequila and Benetti. Mm. Uh, Tequila and Benetti eventually mm. uh, is a cop show about a very stereotypically Italian cop who moves to Santa Monica, gets a talking dog partner, and catches like the most horrifically violent criminals mm. you've ever heard. It's weird. It's a talking dog show. Basically. Yeah. Uh, so it was our other Puchinski. And uh, we'll, we'll get to that eventually. Mm. Uh, we also had up there Freaky Links, which is one of the post-X-Files sort of knockoff shows, mm. which starred Ethan Embry as a guy who investigates sci-fi supernatural mysteries to post stuff about it on his website, because websites are cool. Uh, because it was the late 90s, early 2000s, and that was cool then. And again, all of these things we'll get to eventually. Just we'll give the one you voted for top priority. <laughs> Our second most popular, wasn't close, but it was number two, definitely, mm. was Thunder in Paradise, which was the Hulk Hogan solving crimes in the mm. Caribbean using Nightboat series. T-H-U-N-D-E-R in Paradise, it should be said. That's right. <laughs> it was an I, acronym. I couldn't put the full acronym in like the, no. the Twitter poll because there was too many characters. Really <laughs> that. Uh, but our winner, mm. by quite a large margin, was Earth 2. That's right. Which is a which we, which we have on video right here. Also donated, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it is a sci-fi series about people trying to colonize a new planet. Came out in the mid '90s, and uh, it is actually kind of fitting because we're going to do that episode in time for Earth Day in April. So, so for Earth Day, we're going to be doing Earth Two Day. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to it. Uh, so thank you very much for participating in that poll and keeping it up because we're only going to be doing more of those. Uh, we also want to so, announce that... So the, if, if you're following us on Twitter, you get to choose. That's right. At the end of April, we're also going to be doing a special episode. And would you get the help? We've been doing this show for about a year. 
And in that time... Happy anniversary. Not yet. Too early. Can't say Mazel Tov yet. You're going to jinx it. Uh, We we don't want to get canceled after our first season. (laughs) Um, But we've been doing this for about a year. Wouldn't it be fitting if we did? Yes. Luckily, we are our own bosses, and we're going to continue doing this for as long as we want. Pretty much. Nobody can pull the plug on this but us. And we're going to keep going. And we're going to keep going. But we want to celebrate our anniversary in a couple of different ways. We're Mm going to introduce uh, some cool stuff. We're going to revamp the show a little bit. Nothing you like is going to change, probably. We're just going to get some new logos and stuff like that. And we're just going to look really, really cool. If you like the really crappy parts, sorry, we're getting rid of that stuff. (laughs) And we're going to just do the good stuff. But uh, we're going to... The first thing we want to announce is that at the end of April, we are going to do an episode in which we have our first ever Canceled Too Soon Awards. Mm -hmm. We are going to announce the, our picks. Can we call them the Puchinskis? Maybe. <laughs> That's not bad, actually. <laughs> uh, we're going to give our awards for the best series we've ever done, mm-hmm. uh, the best or slash worst cliffhanger we ever had to endure, mm-hmm. best guest stars, best performance, supporting performance, all that, you know, just it, it's an opportunity for shows like Baffled, which ep- lasted one episode in the 1970s, to compete against Alcatraz because how often is that going to happen <laughs> because th- those are the kind of pop culture conversations that come up so often but we've been through so much we've watched so much TV mm. over the last year that we kind of want to put a button on it we kind of mm. want to look at where we've been and where we're going to go uh, but we want also you also just remember the stuff we've done before they're completely gone from our memory there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff uh, but we also we can want- dredge up whatever that one bible series was oh of what, the kings t- and monsters the, the, it's, uh, it was called uh, it was called of kings and profits but uh, yeah it. we can barely remember that one uh but we want you to vote for one of the categories which is our best episode mm-hmm. uh and this serves a couple of functions one you get to contribute get to get your voice heard but it also kind of lets us know what shows you like oh. what are what was a good approach for us what types of shows you enjoyed us uh, mm. uh, reviewing so, and then we'll do whatever we want anyway. But we still want to hear from no, you. <laughs> we want to hear from you. Your 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 interests do guide the show quite mm. a bit. So, uh, if you email us, mm. you have to do this via email: bmoviespodcast at gmail If you want to send us your top three episodes of the show, f- rank th- them. Your favorite three three shows to listen to of us, not necessarily yes. your. Th- Three favorite, yeah, show like TV shows that you watched. Yeah, our favorite, your favorite, your favorite, canceled too soon. Uh, we we want to hear what you like about us. Yeah, sure. We want we want to hear you. We want to hear you rub our shoulders. We want to be able to give you more of the stuff you like, mm. and telling us what you liked really, really, really helps. Uh-huh. So give us your top three episodes of the show. Mm. Rank them from one to three. Uh, we will give three points to each number one, two points to each number two, one point to each number three, mm. and then whichever you know, we'll we'll tell you which one was the winner. And uh, we'll probably give you a little bit more like that in the future. So uh, that would be a real, real big help to us. The deadline will be uh, probably about April 22nd, give or take. Mm, Uh, Mid-April. And and all shows until then are eligible. We realize, you know, if Earth 2 is your favorite, it might be too late. Uh, But uh, there you go. So Mm. email us, bmoviespodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your favorites. If you want to wait a bit, fine. And, of course, only one vote per person so only one email per person Mm. Uh, so that'd be great and then lastly before we get going on this week's episode we do want to announce that in the near future we will be having our own Patreon we're we're monetizing this ish yes now 
If you like the show as it is now and you just want these episodes, nothing will change. You will be able to get this show mm. for free. But we are going to offer some bonus content, bonus episodes. We're going to get some merch built uh, uh, built to our specs so that we can, <laughs> we can present it to you. Built to our specs. It's like we're giving out boats or something. Exactly. But we want to know what you would like to get. What do you want to see from us? Yeah. Now, our goal is hopefully to launch our Patreon in about a month. So, uh, again, we might not be able to accommodate everything. But let us know what you'd want for mm. a certain amount of money on Patreon. We're thinking about maybe two, three tiers tops. Mm. Um, and just, what do you want? What would you like to see? What would you like to see in addition to the episodes you're currently getting? Because these will always be free of charge. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we will take that into consideration and we will try to incorporate whatever we can. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Because we want you are our fans. You are our listeners. And we want to accommodate you and give you stuff you would like. Yep. That's kind of much. why we do this. We think other people. <laughs> we had this weird obsession and we thought other people would think it was interesting. And lo and behold, some people do. And yeah. we really, really appreciate you. And we want to be able to give you what you want. So if you have any suggestions, again, the email is bmoviespodcast at gmail.com. Mm. Bmoviespodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. There's also uh, on the description of the episode, you can see it all written down all right. right there. That, okay. Um, but that's, so that's, that's neither here nor there. That's enough for advertising. What that's do we got? Us. What are we reviewing on the show today? This week, we mm. are going to be reviewing a series that was donated to us from our Amazon wish list. Uh, Thank you, Christian. Christian is awesome, and we kind of wanted to review this anyway. We actually referred to this series in a, a previous episode, which we reviewed The Warlord, Battle for the Galaxy, because there was an actor who was in both of them. Mm. Uh, Christian donated this to us from Amazon, and we kind of bummed it up to the top of the list because we loved his note. Yeah. Uh, so the note reads as follows. Listening to the podcast has helped me lose two inches of waistline fat and gain a significant amount of upper body mass while I get my PhD. Mm. I don't always agree with you, but I love listening to your stuff. All praise, Sergio. Sergio approves. Sergio approves. And congratulations on uh, your body mass index and uh, and, 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 your also, PhD. and your PhD. So I'm, well done. Uh, if you're listening to the show, you will become uh, healthier, thinner, sexier, and smarter. smarter. Yeah. Well done. You'll also, you'll, you'll also be a better lover yes. and... Uh, You'll become far more wealthy. Everything will happen for you just by <laughs> listening to us. All right. So uh, we're going we're gonna to play a fun little clip here. Uh, this is one of the ads that promoted the series we're reviewing on this week's Cancel Too Soon. Enjoy this one, folks. Space Rangers. Starlight, star bright, first star I see tonight. I wish I may, I wish I might have this wish I wish tonight. Daddy, please come home safe. Join the Space Rangers Wednesday, January 6th on CBS. Okay, what the hell was that? Well, first of all, that has nothing to do with the series we watched. Uh, <laughs> that that scene is not in the series. It's really, like, moody and weird. And, and underneath all that, like, childlike, Daddy, please come home. There's, like, spaceships flying around and people getting shot or whatever. So they're trying to make it seem super serious, like it's some mm. big, important drama or something. Um, and indeed, it was actually kind of hard to track down uh, like an actual ad that gives you some idea of what Space Rangers is really about. So we're going to play you like a next week on Space Rangers mm. uh, so you can get a better idea of how the show kind of plays out. But even this, it doesn't have like VO or anything like that. So it's kind of just a jumble of clips. But hopefully you'll mm. be able to get a mental image. So here we go. Use your imagination. Space Rangers. Thank you. 
Apaches. They attacked our transporter. We crash landed on Scarab. Only a few survived. We'll send a shuttle to pick them up. No, the second sun rises in 38 hours. They'll burn up before a shuttle can get there. Jojo, you doing your nails again? Light speed! Yes, sir! Tighten your jack straps, boys! You'll never get away with it! Oh, yes, I will. Oh, yes, I will. Space Rangers. Okay. Welcome back to the magical world of Space Rangers. Space, Space Rangers, Rangers. Uh, is a show that came out in the, I guess, while Star Trek The Next Generation was still like on the air, but kind of closing out. And mm-hmm. TV was ripe with Star Trek knockoffs, like Next Generation knockoffs. This was yeah. the age of Babylon 5. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the age of Deep Space Nine, which uh, just another Star Trek series. Well, and here's the funny thing. Uh, Space Rangers, which aired on CBS from January 6th to January 26th, 1993. One month. Yes, that's true. Uh, Space Rangers Mm -hmm. premiered three days after Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Mm Mm-hmm. Three days. Three days. And, and maybe they've been before, it might have had a novelty, but D Space Nine has a really solid pilot. Like, D Space Nine was, is a good show. Yeah. And Space Rangers, while it has its charms, is not as polished. In fact, it looks cheap as hell. Uh, and this was, when was Babylon 5? Um, I don't know if that was a little after D Space Nine, wasn't it? Was it like 95? Well, I think. It was the TV series wasn't until I think late ninety four, but there was a TV movie like the pilot of Babylon Five aired long before the series actually started running regularly, and I think that was also ninety three. Babylon Five, the mm. test pilot movie, aired February twenty second, nineteen ninety three. So it goes: it, Deep Space Nine, uh, Space Rangers, Babylon Five, all, all within about two months. Yeah. So if if you were hungry for this sort of thing, this was a golden month for you. <laughs> January, February, Early 1993 was your jam. <laughs> I remember the January of 93. It was a beautiful time. Space Rangers is a sci-fi series that takes place in the future. Mm. Eh, forget the exact year, like a hundred years it's, or two. It's the 20, mid-2100s. Yeah. Uh, Earth has, humans have gone to the stars. And, and we, we never see what happened on Earth. Yes. But uh, people are colonizing the galaxy. Yes. And uh, they're living on sort of this kind of vaguely defined wild frontier of space. Yeah, most of the show takes place at an outpost Mm -hmm. uh, on the frontiers of space. Not at a space station, it's on a planet, but Mm -hmm. uh, from this station, uh, they send out various workers, aid workers, military groups uh, to help defend the frontier from uh, pirates, Mm -hmm. criminals... Uh, uh, alien races yeah. who who don't necessarily want what's in our best interests. It's it's essentially uh, the Yukon. It's it's it's, the it's like Legion. It's, the it's, it's, the... it's kind of I I I saw it as sort of a series about the Mounties. Yeah, but, uh, they yeah it takes place at Fort Hope on the planet of Avalon. And uh, plant- the special effects are so bad on the show that you don't really get a good sense as to what exactly this fort is. The but special effects on the show, which they mostly use, like mm. the, like the sort of the CG special effects, which they mostly mm. use for showing the ships and for the exposition shots, they look like what they'd use for animatics now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it is unbelievable. Like this is sub reboot level of CGI. This and- is like this is like DVD menu from 1999. Good. <laughs> this. This is Sega CD bag. Uh, it's th- 
one of the biggest problems with the show right away is is that it's really, 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 really low budget. Mm-hmm. Like they they could not afford to build interesting sets. No, they had pretty good makeup. Uh, one, the makeup okay. the makeup was done by Marv Westmore, one of the many Westmore clans that worked on uh, various makeup jobs over the decades. Michael Westmore, his brother, did Deep Space Nine. Oh, there you go. So uh, yeah, we go, we couldn't get Michael yeah. Westmore. We could get Marv. There's a there's, uh, there's a few good aliens on here. We'll good, talk yeah, about. There's them. a few good aliens. Uh, the costumes are okay. They're kind of cartoonish looking, but I thought they were fine. Like the heroes all because the heroes. What I like about this series, just mm. in its construct, is that it's about Star Trek, but it's about blue collar Star Trek. These are all guys who like they, when they have to do something dangerous, they get hazard pay. Like they mm. actually like it's this is like a, sort of the alien approach mm. in a way. With a little bit of Star Trek uh, nonsense, but their costumes are—they're basically jumpsuits. So, like one step up from Joel Robinson in Mystery Science Theater Three Thousand. <laughs> but it's weird because like the men just get jumpsuits and they have like patches on them, or big shoulder they, pads or yeah, something. They, yeah, they, they look you know fairly respectable, somewhat plausible. But then you see uh, p- the pilot of their ship, mm. Jojo Thorson. Uh, who Play, is the, played by Marjorie Monaghan, yeah. Who is who was also in the Warlord Battle for the Galaxy, in which she also played in basically an Amazon. She was also in uh, yeah. Babylon Five. <laughs> oh, well, she, yeah. awesome. she had, well, she had a cool career. Mm. Uh, she has to wear that jumpsuit, but, but for whatever reason, she gets it. a corset yeah. and she has and like, a, this like red a, patch on the front that emphasizes her crotch. Mm. And, and, and she also I'm, wears like sexy '80s headband. So I'm, yeah. I'm fine with headband. There's at least mm. a practical purpose for a headband. Mm. Why is she stuck wearing a corset? She is so like, and it's not, it's not like it's not like Seven of Nine on Voyager where the corset was clearly under her clothes and was just emphasizing her figure. Over she her, wears it over her clothes. There's so it's no a fashion thing. Now there's no there practical are, application. I don't see any other characters to wear it. There are other weird fashion things though because Clint Howard, who plays the Doctor on the show, uh-huh. by the way, Clint Howard is on this show. Yeah. As a regular character, <laughs> how great is that? Yeah. Uh, he wears these glasses that clearly no eyes can see through. They're these tiny little thin slits it's that like he wears across a, the bridge of his nose. Half a ballpoint pen, like, like width. sliced in yeah. half. Like, like that's... That's like how long and thin it is, and he never like picks them up to like up to his eyes to look through them. He just sort of wears them across. I imagine his face. it might have been like a Jordy LaForge thing that like maybe he's seeing. They like put out little readouts in front of his eyes, like a Google Glass. We, we never see that. But never yeah, he see just that. just wears these goofy ass glasses. There's a lot of impractical sci-fi nonsense. Anyway, the the cast. So it's it's about the frontier, and it's about mm. the space rangers, the Mounties, who have to defend us. The team of space rangers are. Handsome white dude with five o'clock shadow, mm-hmm. played by a guy named Jeff Kak. Uh, I'm actually not sure how to pronounce it. It's Jeff K A A K E. It's probably probably Kak or Kake. I'm not exactly I'm, sure. Yeah, I, I just want to say Kak. Yeah, you might know him from uh, such shows as Dynasty. He did a stint on Dynasty. He was on Melrose Place. He did, he he was Viper. Uh, and uh, he was on a Cancel Too Soon series called Nasty Boys, in which he played a character named Paul Morrissey. I don't think it's the same Paul Morrissey. Did he play Paul Morrissey? Wouldn't it be like, cool if he did? It's a series about the directing of, of Warhol's Frankenstein, the be terrific. That would be uh, awesome. So yeah, we have uh, he uh, is just sort of bland hero dude. As, yeah. as as is the case in a lot of these we'll shows. We'll talk a little bit more about his character, but he's yeah. he's he's kind of Scott Bakula in Enterprise. Yeah, um, yeah. But we have. Uh, 
uh, Doc Kruger, who's sort of the engineer who's missing a lot of body parts and he's replaced with like robot parts. Like he's got only, a robot ear. He's like, got a, a little like disc he keeps his, in his abdomen, which is keeping him alive. Well, he's got it's like his head is still human, mm-hmm. but the rest of him is not, except for like a piece of his heart. And there's <laughs> a part where he gets shot and he pulls out his heart just to make sure the part of him that's still organic is still working. Uh-huh. And that's kind of cool. There's kind um, of he he has a robot hand that gets cut mm-hmm. off once. Uh, he's constantly tinkering with his own body parts. He's Played because by, um, the frontier is so rough, it's taken pieces of yeah. him. He's played by Jack McGee, mm-hmm. a character actor who has played many bartenders and detectives. <laughs> uh, lately, he's been a regular on the series Pitch, which I've heard is quite good. Oh, and okay. He was also a regular uh, for a while on NYPD Blue. We have a sexy lady, uh, deep voice, uh, bargain version of Claudia Christian character, who is the pilot. Yes. Played by Michelle, uh, not Michelle Monaghan. Yeah. Her Marjorie ca- Monaghan, no she, relation. Her character is named Jojo Thorson, which mm. is a great name. Uh, I like her because she exudes authority. She would have been she? a great captain. She's, e- even though they dress her in a way that she's supposed to be there for eye candy, she's clearly not playing the eye candy role. I, I actually like her that. a lot. I think she's one of the MVPs yeah. of the show. The, uh, the, the biggest the MVP real of the MVP, show uh-huh. is is Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa, who plays an alien named Xylan. Mm. You know Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa. What is this species name? Gracket? Graka. Graka. Yeah, he's a Graka, which is basically. Super Klingon. Super, in a way. It's like yeah. it's like you combine Klingons and Vulcans and you get a Graka. Like but he's, he's kind of whatever the alien species needs to be at the time. He's either super peace loving or super warlike. Well, the the his species is still kind of feral and I, I got the impression that when they're young they're like animals mm. and they have to sort of teach themselves this extreme philosophy of peace just to avoid killing people Yeah. so he wears a collar that sort of keeps him from being feral and when he wants to murder someone he rips the collar off and just yeah. goes to town the, the idea is that they are they used to be a very warlock race mm. they still have a tendency towards that but they are trying to better themselves by being purely pacifistic mm. It's kind of interesting. We'll talk about it a little bit. There's a couple episodes dedicated mm-hmm. to it. Uh, but again, Kara Hiroyuki Tagawa, if you don't recognize the name, you would recognize the face. He was Shang Tsung in the original Mortal Kombat movie. Uh, he was yeah. the, the awesome bad guy in mm-hmm. Showdown in Little Tokyo, which is a fun action movie. And he's currently regular on The Man in the High Castle, which is a hit series. Oh, cool. So good for him. Uh, you've, you've seen him around. He's yeah. he's great. He's great at chewing scenery. Yeah. Uh, he, he's I think he's a fine actor. He was the first celebrity I ever interviewed in person. Oh, no kidding. If memory serves, nice. yeah. It was like him. It was like, like Planet, three, of, Planet of the Apes or something. There were like three celebrities mm. interviewed like in a short period of time. I think he was the first, and nice. he was Kari, really cool. Yeah, Kerry Hiroyuka Tagawa. Uh, yeah. An actor named Danny Quinn plays Daniel Kincaid, and his personality trait is that he's young. Young and enthusiastic <laughs> and inexperienced mm. and re- raw, raw, ready to shoot people. Danny Quinn is the son of actor Anthony Quinn. And uh, his lineage is a plot point in one of the episodes. So, so it's go rather figure uh, Danny Quinn is a very handsome actor. He's perfectly charming, but he never did a lot of American stuff. He did a lot of work in Italy. Okay. Like his IMDb credits are mostly Italian stuff. So I guess he's well, doing pretty Anthony well. Anthony Quinn also worked with Fellini. So there you uh, go. Well, it's weird though because he's he's dash handsome, and you'd think he could have mm-hmm. gotten some like you know Aaron Sorkin type roles or something. But it didn't think. work out. Uh, Clint Howard, we've already talked about. You know him from everything. <laughs> but you know he was in Star Trek. He started in Gentle Ben. He was in Apollo thirteen. Oh, he wasn't. A- he wasn't just in Star Trek. He was in the original Star Trek as a child actor. Yes. He uh, in, in the Corbomite maneuver. You know that weird looking kid. Yes. That was. 
Clint Howard. Uh, he's also uh, in a series. Is Ron, How- Ron Howard's little brother? He's in or a ser- older brother? I don't know who's the older one. I actually don't know either. I think he's. I think he's younger. Right. Uh, and he is also in another Cancel Too Soon series we're planning on getting to pretty soon, which is the live action sitcom version of the movie Gung Ho. <laughs> Why? Because Gung Ho did okay, I guess. Um, and he plays Doctor Mimmer, uh, Commander Chenault. She's like the admiral of. Uh, Fort Hope, who uh, doesn't she never leaves the fort. She she's the she's the commanding officer. She she's the uh, the Avery Brooks of the series. Sometimes <laughs> she's sometimes she's in charge of the war stuff, mm. but sometimes she's just in charge of keeping everyone at the space station happy. Mm. Uh, and she's played by Linda Hunt, who, who who I think was the big get. Kinda, yeah. She she's is, an Academy Award winning actress. Yeah, Linda Hunt is a great actor. Mm. You know her from uh, Kindergarten Cop, The Practice, Carnival. Um, and she won an Academy Award for playing a Chinese man in the league in the, the year, year of living dangerously. dangerously yeah. uh, something which would not fly today. <laughs> That's weird. Well, you know what? She's great in it. She is great, and, and I think she's great in everything. Even when she shows she's up in, in trash like the relic, it's like, oh look, yeah. there's Linda Hunt. She's good at bringing dignity to everything. Yeah, and it's interesting. She's a diminutive actor. She's four nine, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, she it never they never comment on it. They never need to. She commands the room. Yeah, she. She's a great presence. Yeah, she she may be very small just in stature, but yeah, she yeah. is one of the classiest actresses. Yeah. And uh, we also have Gottfried John from GoldenEye as uh, kind of the dissatisfied uh, second officer to Chenault. Yeah. He's the one who's always kind of scheming, trying to get ahead, and they don't really go too far with it, but we'll talk a bit about mm-hmm. that when we talk about the episodes. Before we talk about the episodes, we also want to talk about the creator of the series, mm-hmm. who had a fascinating career. Pendensham is his name. Uh, uh, is it Pendensham or? In other words, Pendensham. Densham. It is Densham. Okay, Pendensham. I wrote it down wrong. All right. Um, Pendensham. Densham. Densham. <laughs> Damn it. Pendensham is, mm-hmm. has two Oscar nominations under his belt for short subjects in the early 1970s. Mm-hmm. He co-wrote Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which people forget was the biggest movie of the year it came out. That movie was a monster. There were toys. It had a hit soundtrack. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal. He rebooted The Outer Limits very successfully. That was actually a pretty decent run on that show. Mm-hmm. He rebooted The Twilight Zone not particularly successfully. Uh, this- that was the early 2000s reboot of The Twilight Zone. With Forrest so, Whitaker. The uh, mid-80s version was actually reasonably successful. Uh, he, although not as good. I think yeah. the 2000s one was actually okay. But, yeah. uh, he wrote and directed Maul Flanders, which I know a lot of people enjoyed that adaptation mm. with Robin Wright Penn at the time. Uh, he also wrote A Gnome Named Gnorm. Have you seen a gnome named Gnorm? I have not seen a gnome named Gnorm. I ha- I've. It's not gnamed. It's just. A, <laughs> I always want to say gnamed. A, g- a gnome named Gnorm, and yes, you have, you're supposed to pronounce the G's. That's it, one of the jokes of the of the film. It's about a gnome that comes up out of the middle of the earth, looking for a su- magic sunstone that was stolen, and teams up with. Anthony Michael Anthony Hall, Michael Hall yeah. who's a cop and helps him with his relationship. Yeah. There's there's a nude a gnude gnome scene, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's actually a good opportunity for us to make a correction. When we talked about Stan Winston last uh, last week, when we did Manimal, mm-hmm. we said he only directed one movie. My apologies. He also directed a gnome named Gnorm. Okay, yeah, it's hard to find. It was never been released on DVD, but if yeah. you're resourceful, I used to used to be on the shelves at a Blockbuster Video when I was, and a it kid. was never rented because it's. <laughs> Really, really weird. Uh, he also started the Trilogy Entertainment Group, which were creative consultants that they bring mm. onto movies to make them more creative, which 
sounds ludicrous, but they worked on Rocky II and Footloose, and those mm. movies turned out okay. They, they were hits anyway. Yeah. He also wrote a book in 2011 called Writing the Alligator, Strategies for a Career in Screenplay Writing mm. and Not Getting Eaten, uh, which apparently was reasonably well received. He also used to be a photographer for The Rolling Stones, not the magazine, the band. <laughs> and he worked with Marshall McLuhan. Dude's mm. awesome. This this dude has done everything. Yeah, like Penn uh, Denshin kicks ass. So he uh, he also worked with Ron Howard on Backdraft, which is m- maybe why they got Clint. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Because Clint, Clint Howard always works with Ron Howard but because Clint they're Howard's brothers. Also, a character actor who'll do anything. That's true. Also, yeah. you, if you're putting on a, a sci-fi series in the early '90s, Clint Howard's just sort of there. Clint Howard did like, he Blood te- Rain Three. He, like he's, he he's teleport fine. he teleports out of his house and shows up at casting calls without having to try. It's like, oh, what am I? Oh, okay, I guess I'm doing this one now. Yeah. So Penn Denshin, interesting, like important influence. <laughs> figure that people just don't talk about very much so good for him uh, and this is one of the projects that nobody talks about because it failed miserably yes it did um probably because it was so cheap uh mm-hmm. it's the- it just doesn't really it, it's not impressive like you put mm-hmm. i imagine you flipping through channels here's what it was up against when it premiered mm-hmm. it aired opposite uh reruns i'm sorry no these are all new episodes apologies mm-hmm. uh it aired opposite the wonder years and doogie hauser md big hit shows Beverly Hills 90210. Big, big hit show. And Unsolved Mysteries. Also a big hit show, hit yeah. Show. It really, you're flipping around, you see like a super cheap mm. Star Trek knockoff, and then you click around and you see Unsolved Mysteries, you're watching Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries, that mystery hasn't been solved yet, maybe you can help. Mm. So, way more important that you watch Unsolved Mysteries, or watching a, a, a teenage Neil Patrick Harris be a doctor. Mm. Good stuff. Uh, I, I caught Doogie a lot of episodes of Doogie Hauser when it was like finally in syndication. It was already in reruns. It's not a bad show. It's okay. It's 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 it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a good teen. It's a broad concept. Light light lighthearted teen I mean, drama. Wonder Years a doctor. Was, Wonder Years was great. I remember really hating the Wonder Years, really? but I think I just really hated Fred Savage at the time. Oh, it was, was something fine. about it. He just no. rubbed me the wrong way when I was a Wonder kid. Wonder Years was awesome. I got nothing against Wonder Years. I've, I've seen him now as an adult. I think he's fine, but at, at the time, for some reason, he just didn't. It didn't sit well with me. <laughs> I will have like, none of your savaging, Fred. It's like, because he and I are about the same age. So right. I saw him on TV. It's like, that guy would pick on me in school. I just know he would. Another thing uh, that kind of hindered Space Rangers mm-hmm. is it's one of the many shows that we're going to end up talking about here that was aired out of order. Now, when you air something out of order and it's Law and Order or something mm-hmm. where it's very individual, visually episode based, um, you can kind of get away with it. Well, Space Rangers isn't so heavily well, reliant. Hang on a sec. Because there's there are levels of this. Mm-hmm. Firefly, you needed to have it aired in order because there's character development happening. All right. And so I watched Firefly like, when it came on, mm-hmm. and even though the episodes seem kind of episodic, you realize that the relationships between these two characters and the first episode that aired and mm-hmm. the second episode that aired are wrong. They, okay. they don't follow anymore. They don't right, make any right. sense, and it created a disconnect. Space Rangers starts off with a pilot that goes out of its way to introduce every character and every concept and get you grounded in the world, mm. and that episode did not air first. <laughs> it's it's uh, a little bit jarring, especially when you consider that Jeff Keck uh, has a wife and child in the pilot that he doesn't have throughout the rest of the series. Yes. Now, they epi- they explained, and even on the DVD set we have... It's out of order. It's out of order. They show so, the pilot first, but other than that, it's out of order. Uh th- they explain in episode three on the DVD set what happened to that wife and child who aren't in the rest of the show. But in like an episode two, there's like flirting with something like that. I'm like, dude, like, what happened? Yeah. I thought you were married. What the fuck? Yeah. So 
Maybe things are much more open in the future. Let's talk about episode one of Space Rangers. Episode one is called Fort Hope, and it opens with Wingshauser on a a planet of killer plants. So you know Wingshauser from Wingshauser. Um, (laughs) You see that show Wings? It was based on the life of (laughs) Wingshauser. Well, Wingshauser doesn't have like one central credit to his name. I would call Vice Squad kind of his shining moment. But not many people have seen Vice Squad. It's not a really well-known movie. Do you need like an abusive cop character in your movie? Mm. You get Wingshauser. He's just... He's like, kind of mean, angry, heavy type. He's like the, the guy you can't get when when Mickey Rourke is too expensive. There you, you know, go. Uh, and he's great because he oh, he overacts and he's really scary and he's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he plays uh, uh, the leader of some sort of trip to a planet called Scarab, mm-hmm. and Scarab is a unique planet in that half of it, when it's uh, under sunlight, is just burned to desert mm-hmm. but on the other side of the planet it just grows into this big lush quick growing jungle yeah it like gets e- burned off regularly like it, it, it's every it's every few days mm. the sun makes a, a switch but the plants grow so fast mm. that you like you land your spaceship and you come back later that afternoon and it's overgrown with plants and you can't take off and so they're screwed if, if you stand still long enough the plants start growing up your body yeah. so Wingshauser sends one of his crew uh, in an escape pod to go to Fort Hope and to get Captain Boone who, they, mm. who he knows who he used to work with to come to the planet to rescue them. Mm. Okay. Fine story. Perfectly okay opening. I actually remembered seeing that bit. I actually, I, saw, like, okay. I think I saw this on like a rerun on Sci-Fi Network or something someday. So yeah. that bit I actually remember. Uh, part, part of Wingshauser's team, we should also notice, is the other guest star from this episode, uh, 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 Pat Morita. Yes, Pat Morita, Academy Award nominee for The Karate Kid, mm-hmm. who doesn't get to use his own voice, or they like really changed it in post. Well, I, I wish I could find like the interview where he said this, but I think Pat Morita once declared that he's he wouldn't take a role unless he got to do a funny voice. Oh, okay. That, that like he he was a funny, funny dude. He and, was. and he always, so he took um, Mr. Miyagi from the Karate Kid because he got to do a funny voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, there was he had a cameo in one of the Naked Gun sequels, where uh, did he? He did. He played a waiter. Where uh, I think you're thinking of, uh, uh, or maybe it was Spy Hard. Oh, yeah, I guess it was Spy Hard. It was, it was one of the, one of the Leslie Nielsen spoofs. It could be yeah. wrongfully accused, for all I know. But mm. uh, yeah, he he sort of showed up as a waiter, and he uh, Leslie Nielsen and the female lead were sitting across from each other and said, "Tell me about yourself." And Pat Morita answered the question instead, but he answered it in this <laughs> like super fey gay stereotype type voice, which you knew he just sort of pulled out on the like on the take, like he didn't run it by the the director first. He just sort of did it, and you can tell he's having like he had the most fun in that movie, even though he had like two lines of dialogue nice so yeah he plays a space alien and they distorted his voice and i'm sure he was pleased as punch that he got to do the funny voice anyway captain boone just came back from a long mission with his crew and he doesn't want to go out again he wants to spend time with his wife and daughter who are feeling a little neglected his wife Mm. is played by amy Steele, who is probably best known as the protagonist of friday the 13th part two Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't recognize her. Well, she's not in it much. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't look her up. She has like yeah. two scenes. Like, I recognize the name. Like, Amy Steele. Oh, yeah. A- Amy Steele sounds like a romance author. I know. <laughs> Mr. Calling. And uh, they, they, the person shows up and it's like, oh, you have to come to the planet. And they're like, ah. Well, let me ooh. let me assemble my team. I got a robot guy hand. And yeah. I got, let's I got- wait, wake up Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa out of his slime uh, hibernation. They don't actually explain that very well. Uh, there's unfortunately 
the all of the notions of sort of like sci-fi canon and explaining the rules and the mechanics of the universe. And I complain about this a lot because I love it when they explain rules and mechanics and they don't do it in this. So he comes out of this slime chamber and you're not really sure exactly what it is. And it's just something weird and alien. And is he hibernating? Does he need it? Is this like his healing pod? Mm. They never really talk about it. It's just weird and dynamic. And you get to see Kira Hiroyuki Tagawa like naked come out of slime, which okay, cool. Dripping in goop. Dibs. Um, But yeah, this is their excuse. You get when you do a series like this, a broad series takes place in the future or an alternate reality or something, and your pilot, we're going to be pretty forgiving about exposition. Yes. We understand you need to get it all out of the way. You still need to tell a story. Even if you have, like, a narration or a yeah. crawl at the opening kind of explaining what it is, do something. Get, that, get, get it out get, of the gets way a, Gets us really involved in the world. Because and, I spent several episodes really unclear on the concept mm. of Kira Hiroyuki Tagawa's alien race. What do they stand for? What's their, mm. I, what's their deal? They wear these, like, collars around their neck that, like, hinder their violent tendencies. But I wasn't sure... Wait, did he put that on himself? Yeah, is that I got, like a condition of his service with the space rangers? I wasn't sure if he was, if even even if he was a space ranger, like if he was working for them and he was getting yeah. pay as well, or if he was just sort of muscle that they brought in really on the side. In fact, the rules of the rangers themselves are a little fast and loose. They work for a company that they only refer to as Central. They never refer to like... You know, the United Federation of Planets or what sort of the organization they're working for is. Yeah. Just central and that they get paid by central and they kind superiors of, do have military titles, commander, mm, colonel. Yeah, but but they still work for hazard and, pay. And so I I'm think, curious, are they independent contractors? I think the, the makers of this show are such fans of Star Trek and they're assuming that the watchers of Space Rangers are going to be such fans of Star Trek that we can kind of poured over a lot of that from what we kind of have picked up from Star Trek, the right. way the Federation and starships actually work. Uh, to the, It's such a ripoff that they don't even bother to point out that theirs is original in any sort of way. Yeah. Remember in Warlord where they say, this is like Star Trek, but totally not? Yeah. Like they use a lot of excuses to kind of set up their own universe? Yeah. They, don't, they do none of that. They, there are a few like key stylistic differences. You know, we're used to seeing in a lot of these spacefaring shows, certain cliches that, if you think about it, are kind of arbitrary, like mm-hmm. the idea of the bridge and how you're always looking out the front of the ship. Mm-hmm. In Space Rangers, that, they're like kind of in a hub. The only person who's looking out the front of the ship is, is the cat, is the, the pilot, Jojo Thorson. And she's actually like she's laying... She's on her stomach. She's laying prone. Yeah. Like she was sniping and she's got like kind of like... It's actually a little bit like the Warlord. She's got a chair that sort of moves around and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, it looks like it's fun. And yeah, like but, she's but she, she's, she's looking like, through this little front port window, and the the captain cannot see out of the ship. They don't have a view screen. Yeah, fine, but that's like a difference. Like play that up and enjoy that. They usually the ship that they're on. It's called a slingship. Is large enough like or they, small enough that they, they nicknamed it Tin Lizzie, so they call it Lizzie throughout the course of the show. The I ship, wish they had made that a little bit more clear. But, yeah, uh, the ship is small enough. It's still quite large, but it's small enough that they can land it on a planet if they want to. Hmm. But if they can't. They don't beam you down. They don't open a warp gate like in The Warlord. <laughs> they send you in like these life pods. They're just like big sarcophagi. Uh-huh. That you sit down and they just shoot them down onto the planet and I guess you're fine. Which is 
kind of scary, actually. I kind of wish they'd actually like mm. tried to put us in that position. That'd be kind of cool. Like, you yeah, know? Had, had that and seen yeah. it land and Free crash fall a lot. from orbit? That's probably terrifying. The problem is you would need special effects to do that, and clearly this show didn't have the budget. You know what you do that. is you just focus on their faces, loud noises, yeah, they're, bright they're, lights. It could have been cool. There, there was a lot of just visual obfuscation, because when we see Fort Hope, like when we see the, the cockpit of the ship, it's fine because it's a little space. They only had one small set, so it's okay that they're all kind of cramped together. Yeah. But Fort Hope was supposed to be this sort of vast network of things. Now, you remember the Promenade on Deep Space Nine? They built an enormous set for they that. They did. There's Multiple big, levels, like, yeah, storefronts. Upper fronts. level, down, lower level, all these, yeah, there's sort of big space where they could open, and it really made those scenes really dynamic. Ops was this big open space, and you could kind of see where everything was. Right. Well, Fort Hope is a series of reused hallways from other science fiction shows with a, a open open that open into like a black curtain yeah. that are filled with smoke so they could have to reveal that there's nothing beyond that black curtain. You know, there are different ways to get around this. Again, mm. Star Trek had the money to throw at it, yeah. but they also were playing the long con. They knew eventually we're going to need to shoot this from every possible angle. We want it big. Mm. We want it wide. We want to be able to get cameras in there. We mm. really need to have this malleable. You look at something like Farscape. Farscape, all like the interiors on their ship... You look closely, all of those walls are on rollers. Yeah, They're yeah, just yeah. moving the walls around. Like, it's it's a clever way to do it. You get a lot of space. Everything feels really cramped and confined in Fort Hope. Like, they thought they'd cheap out by making everything look, again, very workaday. Like, you just walk wow. into, like, a mechanics shop. But it ends up feeling cheaper, and it ends up feeling like you don't well, get a real the, sense of the place. And there's also no visual variety. All of the sets look the same. Everything looks like you walked into a mechanic shop. It's called Fort Hope. It should be a, a fort. You know, people live there. Yeah. You can't live in a mechanics shop. Basically. Make, make it look... It's okay to make it look lived in, but there are different ways to, to, yeah. to alter that look. The only other thing we see on mm. Fort Hope with any regularity is the bar that they all go to to right. hang out and unwind. Oh, I, f- I forgot the name of the bar. I, uh, the name of the bar. It's, like, it's like the Asteroid Boys. It's something really cliche. But and yeah. uh, the bar is basically a big empty soundstage with a lot of smoke and light. Yeah, yeah. Like, it looks like they just, Tony Scott just came in and was like, oh, just throw smoke at it. <laughs> Tony, That's what I always do. Tony Scott came in with his smoke machine. Yeah. Tony That's Scott. What got me through the last Boy Scout. Just throw smoke at it. Tony Scott had his left arm replaced with a smoke machine at one point. <laughs> it's just sort of like Mega Man was smoking up the place. Yeah. Um, now I appreciate that they. I appreciate the ambition. Sure. And indeed, when you see something really cheap like this, you can't help but feel a note of sincerity. People who are really, really trying. And indeed, watching the show, I kind of became a little hooked on the sincerity. So every time something really cheap and horrible happened, I kind of smiled a little bit. It grew on me a little bit over time, yeah. but the problem is it shouldn't have. I should have, I should yeah. have got my bearings right away. earlier. Yeah. So they get in their ship. They acquire a couple of people just sort of randomly. They acquire um, that one kid... Who's like the hot shot? Who's like ready to go out to Kincaid, war? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and he's just like, I want to go on your ship. And Captain's like, Yeah, we have a team dynamic, and we don't know you or trust you. And in the position you want on the ship, you'd have a gun, and we don't know if we can be comfortable with it. But I wanna. Fine. So he's 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 a combination of Harry Kim and Tom Paris. You know, the, you know the really really memorable characters from Voyager. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't have much to do throughout the whole series. And they go to Well, the, here's the problem. Yeah. When you cast a character and their only character trait is they're young, that's not a long game you can play because they're not going to stay young. Yeah. What do they have once they've aged out? He's got some daddy issues. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, that's that's it's enough great. for it's yeah. enough for Spielberg, it's enough for Space Rangers. <laughs> um they got on their ship. Mm. 
They it, fly to the planet. They it's eventually revealed that Wings Hauser was a bastard this whole time. What a surprise! Yeah, it was it, all a ploy. They needed the they needed the ship so they can escape the planet. Yes, but the reason they were on the planet is that they were looking for an ancient weapon mm-hmm. from the Graca race uh, that could kill and destroy with your thoughts. So that that's kind of hazy, but that's basically a, little, a mega weapon. A little insight into the Graca race, but not really because they don't explain what significance it has to the race well, a or little where bit. it came Kari- from. Karaoke Tagawa explains that early on the Graca race was so warlike they mm. just kept expanding, getting more warlike, more warlike, until finally they built this weapon of ultimate destruction, and that was the thing that made them realize as a society that they had gone too far. Mm. For whatever reason, they didn't or couldn't destroy it, so they hid it on a planet under you know it's underneath like a mountain. And stuff um Where and it's really inclement <laughs> yeah it's like it's <laughs> it almost impossible to get to it uh and uh, the graca played by pat marita which by the way it is kind of weird that this especially in the pilot when that race is presented as so warlike and mm. dangerous and other all of them are played by japanese dudes um. Yeah, it's a little. I, it's, a little I can, it's a little awkward. I can appreciate that though, because uh, can you? It, it's in terms of sort of like Star Trek makeup aesthetics. They usually got African American actors to play Klingons. Yeah, uh, and I, I think they were just sort of. I guess not always. It's a little I, awkward. They, it's a little awkward. They were just trying to say that this species all look like human Asians, and I think that's fine. I don't know if that's fine. I just think I think it's. I don't. I get. I get it. Mm. I get it. I understand it. I'm not entirely sure it's as woke as it should be, but <laughs> it's 93. It's 93. We have to deal with a lot of this shit. It's not as that, you know that that's it's about as bad as that episode of Manimal. That's that's diversity in 1993, and I think that actually is is progressive for what they we're were. We're going to be talking do. a lot about that throughout the course of this podcast. <laughs> the, the stuff we thought was progressive at the time, which now doesn't feel very progressive. Um, they, so yeah, it does a an okay job of introducing our characters. It doesn't do a very good job of introducing the uh, sort of the premise in the world. Yeah. And sadly, as the show goes on, we kind of only have to intuit a lot of the, the elements of the world because they never really get too explicit. Yeah. So basically, they, <clears throat> they, they got onto the planet. They defeat the bad guys. Wingshauser gets a hold of the, of the mega weapon, but it destroys him. I suspect at some point they would have wanted to bring him back somehow, like some sort of miraculous mm. thing to do with the blah. Because he's kind of too big an actor to like just sort of waste like that. <laughs> but we can't, we can't waste Wings Hauser. He's cool. Like he's one of the best parts of this. Mm. And then uh, he just disappears, and they and they they win. And then it ends with Clint Howard has decided that mischievous scamp to get, get to inside away to get inside Karahiroyuki Tagawa's slime pod and it blast it just ends with him poking his head out covered in goo covered in goo saying guys you got to try this what are we trying what is it doing I, to you in I, there I, I imagine if i were to visit Ron, or Ron, if i were to visit Clint Howard at his house that's how he would greet me it's like he <laughs> Like his 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 butler would let me in. I'd go into his kitchen. He'd lead me into this weird back chamber. He'd stick his head out. and He'd be covered in goo. He's like, "Hey, man, I'm having a great time in here." I'm imagining that in uh, that in Clint Howard's house, mm-hmm. Clint Howard plays Clint Howard's butler. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, welcome to my. I'm Clint Howard's butler. No, you're Clint Howard. No, I'm I'm his butler. Wait here a second. I'll go get Clint Howard. And he runs into the other room and comes out in a different suit. <laughs> Hi, I'm Clint Howard. Well, why, yes, you are. Why are you the butler? No, that's my butler. Um, Schmeg- Schmingmar. Yeah. Schmingmar. Schmingmar the butler. Okay. Uh, Episode two. 
Is this Banshees? This is a. Uh, uh, oh yes, episode episode two on the disc is the replacements. Episode mm. two uh, two in reality, the mm. way it was intended, was Banshees. Yeah, this introduces us to one of the villains of the series. Yeah, this is uh, the. Banshees, we saw them in the pilot. Are li- well, they talked about them in the pilot. I didn't really see them much. Oh, they, they ran into like a cloud of banshees in the yeah, pilot. Yeah, but it just didn't go anywhere, really. Yeah. It, it was a threat. Just, it didn't capitalize. Uh, banshees are species that are kind of non-corporeal in a way. They can kind of teleport in and out of reality. And yeah. they just want to kidnap ships and people. And mm. we don't... Sadly, the show didn't go on long enough for us to ever learn why. They're essentially yeah. a free-floating Bermuda Triangle species. Yeah, they're they're very dangerous. No one has ever, like, confronted mm. a banshee and survived, so we've never, like, caught one. We don't know what their genetic makeup is. They're not played by actors. They're puppets. Yeah, they're cool-looking puppets, actually. Yeah. And uh, basically, at the beginning of the episode, a ship is taken over by banshees. One person is left on the ship, mm. and they are asked by uh, a the- new character... Mm-hmm. Uh, the space rangers are yeah recruited by a new character yeah. to uh, go save him, and and this new character is named Colonel something. Uh, Colonel Weiss. Colonel Weiss is a character who shows up on the show. He has been kind of demoted to this uh, lousy outpost, and he wants out. So he is eager to do something really impressive, mm-hmm. and he'll risk anyone's life to do it in order to get transferred. He uh, decides what I'm going to do is I'm going to be the first person to capture a banshee, which means, uh, Captain Boone, you're going to be the first person to capture a banshee. And he's like, yeah. hell no. I'm doing that. That's stupid. And he says, I'll give you a triple hazard pay. And they're like, well, all right. Well, here's, here's a good way to remember his name. His first name we learn is Eric Weiss. Eric Weiss was uh, Houdini's birth name. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, so, they just, so they're going to go out. They're going to go to the ship. They're going to try to rescue the kid. They're going to try to capture a banshee if they can. Mm. And uh, then they and uh, they, they, well, they run into a lot of problems because the banshees are dangerous and their yeah. ship gets damaged. But they rescue the young kid, and it turns out he's survived because he's deaf. Yes, and the banshees are working on like some sort of tonal frequency or something. Yeah, yeah. sci-fi mumbo jumbo. There's a bit in this. Uh, uh, <laughs> Rob Clint Howard's character. Decides <laughs> you keep wanting to call him Ron. I keep wanting to call him Ron Howard. Clint Howard's character uh, decides to. You know, come along with them because he's the closest thing they have to an expert in banshees. And he gets to like say wonderfully beautiful lines like, Do you have any idea the molecular significance of this cross spatial anomaly? And you're like, you, mm. you just threw words in that sentence. <laughs> you just threw molecular significance? You can you know, just in, say significance, in, Clint. In, on, on Star Trek, whenever they needed some like techno babble, the scriptwriter didn't do that. Yeah. They, they had like a whole team of techno babble experts yeah. on Star Trek, which is probably one of the reasons why it's so great. Yeah. But uh, in the script, I've seen the script pages and the lines like, looks like you have a brackets tech problem. <laughs> And I have a feeling that was the bulk of Clint Howard's dialogue. Tech, you need to tech the tech before you can tech tech. You know, it's and, basically because that's not important. It's about but the they characters. Didn't, they yeah. didn't have a tech expert, so Clint Howard got to make it. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but it's like it's nice to think it. Yeah. We find out a little bit more about Jojo Thorson in this episode. Turns out she was on a planet in which all of the men left to fight the Banshees. They all died, and now she's on an Amazon planet of only women, and so she hates the Banshees. Okay. Hey, you know what? If if you're a heterosexual woman trapped on a planet of women, found to be a little frustrating uh, after yeah, a while. Got to be a little frustrated after a while. I saw Petticoat Planet. <laughs> you ever see Petticoat Planet? I haven't. It's not very it's... good. <laughs> Petticoat Planet is a sex comedy directed by the great David Dakota, who we've yep. had on our other podcast, the B Movies Podcast, and it is basically Planet of the Apes, except instead of landing on a planet of apes, he lands on a planet of hot lady cowboys. Mm-hmm. Whole planet. 
<laughs> of lady cowboys. Sexy lady cowboys. The now, movie. Now, pornography teaches us that in that situation... <laughs> Let's move on to the next episode. Yeah, that one kind of goes nowhere. It is kind of fun because at the end, Kari Hiroki Tagawa, they bring back a piece of the Banshee, mm-hmm. but rather than give it to Colonel Weiss because he almost got him all killed, Kari Hiroki Tagawa eats it. Yeah. <laughs> Just eats it in front of him. It's I, really w- cool, I wonder like what monster. it was because Kari Hiroki Tagawa, like, he's clearly eating like a, a chicken or it, some sort no, of real like, meat. But it looks you like can, a big crab leg. But he's actually eating it yeah. like i like i think no, he has to swallow on camera i think it's so. a crab leg because it's mm. kind of like this like bug like mm. crustacean thing mm. it looks like a really long like crab leg well i'm wondering what actual animal they had to feed the actor crab you, you think it was actual crab i suspect it was crab it's okay. fine it looks good it looks good on camera you can add a little dye to the to the uh, uh to the white meat yeah no, no to the shell so that it looks okay. kind of creepier like yeah I, I, i'll bet you anything it was crab okay okay uh, was, if i ever interview him i'll ask yeah. him about it and he'll say what was space rangers <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next episode is called The Replacements, and this is the oh. budget cuts and robot episode. I like the robot. The robot's kind of fun. The robot looks like Crichton from Red Dwarf. So basically, the Space Rangers are... Dr- oh, by the way, I didn't mention it. So like in between episodes, uh, Boone's wife and child left him. And they mentioned it in dialogue, and that's all we'll ever, ever hear about At one point, it. he mentions that he needs to call them. Mm. That's about it. <laughs> It's gone. Right. They realize, oh shit, we show. want we want Boone to have to, to date sexy space mm. ladies. We probably shouldn't have like <laughs> and, 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 he get, and he has a vague love interest in one episode. But and she's, maybe she's like not... an additional potential love interest in another, but mm. uh in the replacements, they're really overworked, and Weiss decides he's gonna get them a robot. Mm-hmm. And at first they're like, Oh, robot, what's he gonna do? Get his coffee, get his coffee, robot. And then it turns out the robot's good at everything, and it mm-hmm. helps like maximize efficiency on the ship. They start really liking the robot. The robot is making everything better, and then they find out the robot is there to replace them. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so they start hating the robot. And they start playing pranks on the robot, and the actor who plays the robot, I, I wish I had his name. Oh, he, I can look it up. He's, right he's so game, and you can tell he's that fun. you can tell that it's fun to play a robot. <laughs> like that, that sort of like feckless innocence, completely logical, completely being taken advantage of, but not never has her hurt feelings type of character yeah it's it's a fun it's a funny episode actually in, in mm. many ways it's kind of one of the best episodes of the show mm. it's got a sense of humor and it really emphasizes i think what is the selling point well the, that, which is that, that they're, blue they're, they're working class people yeah. Yeah. so adding that element that we could be replaced we could be fired mm. all of these things are are, are pretty effective i, and clever, I, I wish we could have seen their living situations we never see where these people sleep uh boom uh, we see his apartment with his wife and it's like super nice but maybe it's because he's but, a captain it's nicer than anyone else. That, I imagine everyone in, else is a shitty apartment. That's that's in the pilot, and it stands counter to the whole notion that he's a working class dude. It would be nice to see that they all just sort of live in these crappy little apartments, and they don't have a lot. Yeah, I'm trying to find. Mm. I'm trying to remember what the name was mm. of the of the robot. Um, in this episode, oh, it, it was it was Ringer. They called him Dead Ringer. Mm. That was the name of the robot. I'm not. Oh, there we go. Ringer. Keith Berger. Keith Berger. Is Keith, the name of the actor. Keith Berger Ringer. has a great time on yeah, this show. Keith Berger is a lot of fun. He actually didn't do very much. He only mm. has six credits on IMDb. Oh. <laughs> um, he also played a robot in a movie called Automatic. Weird. That, nice. Okay. Right. So, so he has experience. Um, in this episode, they run afoul of smugglers. Someone's smuggling mm. drugs. Apparently, that's still an issue in the future. And they're Space trying drugs. Why not? Yeah, it's fine. And uh, it turns out that there is a sort of a intergalactic version of the kingpin called Isagol. I love Isagol. Isagol's a fun character. He's because he's, he's a lot. Uh, he's a crime lord. He is unapologetic about his crime habits. Yep. But he's always able to sort of you know 
stay uh, like technically on the right side of the law so mm-hmm. they can never apprehend him. He's an alien. He's got this like big, got the, kind of baby head. Yeah, this big kind of big mushy look. I feel like if you pushed his head, like you could push your finger all the way through. Oh, like like it's like one of those squeeze stress toys. He wears these white robes and in the scene where we actually go to his office, his office is so bright. There's he, he light li- everywhere. He lives in Dracula's space hole is where he lives. Yeah. Or, or rather his boudoir is in Dracula's space hole. But he's wearing this this sheer white gown and so you can see the outline of everything like i don't think this was ever intended to be like remastered for dvd like i think i saw some is i wasn't supposed to is is like one of those guys who he's just so rich he's just so slippery mm-hmm. he's like lex luthor in like the 90s everyone knows he's up to no good but they, oh, do you, you can't do you, touch do him. you think he's another trump analog i don't think so yeah. but he's he's just got that big you know mm-hmm. kind of Slimy over, you know, crime lord. Crime, he's a slimy crime lord. He's, he's, Sli- the, he's the kingpin. Yeah. He's a little psychic, as it turns out. Is so are Gracas. Uh-huh. Um, so he gets in like a psychic sword fight with Kiriyuki Tagawa, which is mm. kind of fun in principle. Sergio Bugani down there. Yeah, he's fine. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think what else is going on here. Was um, this the one where this wasn't the one where the guy could turn into the little globs? Is it? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. So there's a, a criminal on the loose, and he thanks to the crime lord has this weird superpower and he can kind of like melt into globs but the special effect is so bad i'm not really sure what's going on it looks like a, a like a leftover lawnmower man visual effect yeah, back not... when there, when globs were like a really impressive thing you could do with cgi but they looked really shiny and fake yeah so looks i'm like, not looks sure like if alex mack dissolved if if he's turning into liquid or if he's sort of dissipating into the air and they don't ever use, say in dialogue what he's doing, so mm-hmm. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he's doing either. Yeah. But this is a standard crime episode. Mm-hmm. It's got a fun villain, and the villain comes back, actually, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Um, but um, it really doesn't go very far. They find the drugs. Turns out the drugs weren't in the mineral ore. They were in the containers that were containing the mineral ore. Ha-ha! That's vaguely clever. Vague. It, w- it wasn't as good as the episode of Manimal, where they could track down something about the serial numbers on stolen $100 bills. You just love that fucking plot point. You're really obsessed with that plot point. Uh, you go to sleep dreaming about that plot you point. You know what? There's not a lot I can remember about Manimal. <laughs> <You'll take what laughs> I'll, ta- I'll take the one plot point I can remember. Uh, episode four is a fun one, too. It's called Death by Dishonor. Uh, and it is the one where Claudia Christian from Babylon 5 and The Hidden shows up. Mm. Claudia Christian, the other Michelle Forbes. Yeah, I, I was I was actually looking up sort of the the parallel ascendancies of Claudia Christian and Michelle Forbes, who came up at about the same time, mm-hmm. both played similar-ish characters on well-regarded mm-hmm. sci-fi shows, Claudia Christian on Babylon 5. Uh, Michelle Forbes played a character named Ensign Rowe on Star Trek The Next Generation. And would eventually kick a lot of ass on the Battlestar Galactica reboot, too. And, yeah, and then she went on to ba- uh, Battlestar Galactica. She was in a movie called California around the same time. Michelle Forbes is an actor who I think is legally obligated to be in any show if it goes on long enough. She pops up in everything. <laughs> and she's great. She's always great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, Claudia Christian plays that sort of tough, ballsy sci-fi babe. I want to see an, a television series mm. that is Claudia Christian... Michelle Forbes and Lucy Lawless teaming up to fight crime. <laughs> that would be the most badass show would ever. It, would it be in the future, or would it I just would be... hope so? Okay, I, yeah. I want to see them on like motorcycles that look like motorcycles, but we don't have motorcycles like that now. No, they're like fire lasers at the ground. Like, and like, they like can hover on yeah. the front. Yeah, I want to see Megaforce, but with those actors, basically, is my fantasy. 
That's a great show, and you know that's a great show. Sadly, I don't think that one's going out into the stars. The gag in mm. Death by Dishonor is that Claudia Christian is a diplomat uh, oh. for the human race. They're oh, trying which, to... Which is rare in this universe. To set it apart from Star Trek, this is not a peace, love, and understanding universe. No, it's, it's actually quite wild mm. and uh, more Wild Westy. And they come upon a really angry lizard-looking species mm-hmm. that uh, is very easily offended and is prepared to go to war over the things they're offended by. Yeah, the slightest, the slightest thing. So she's doing great. In the opening of the pilot, she makes a, a, an arrangement. It's a little tough, but they go for it. And then as sort of a celebration, they're like, okay, they well, take you to our bar and it's actually kind of fun like for a little bit just to see like the cultural differences like this alien species goes into the bar and like what is that noise oh we call it music we listen to it because we like it you, you don't it's, it's an important art form amongst many species how is it you don't have music well okay how unusual. Uh, and so he's just sort of walking around mm-hmm. captain boone is kind of bummed out because although he passed his proficiency test he's down a few points and he feels like he might be getting old <laughs> so when this alien who's just sort of like he seems kind of cheerful about it. He's like, ooh, what an interesting little culture here. And he goes up to Captain, Th- uh, to Pilot Thorson and he's like sort of fondles her hair a bit because he thinks it's interesting and they don't have multiple genders in their species. Uh-huh. So it's like, oh, how interesting. Boone thinks he's getting fresh and punches out the president of another alien race, and they... nearly sending us into a war. <laughs> yep. And Which they're... is actually pretty funny. They're... I actually like, and I've seen like plenty of different sci-fi series that deal with this about how cultural differences might bring us to war, and we have to find out, you know, how what what contrition is in this sort of situation. Uh, there was an episode of Enterprise where they took an alien species into their mess hall, but to them that's like taking them to the orgy room. Like eating, eating <laughs> is like very very intimate for that species, so it's like taking them to the mess hall is like this horrible offense. Yeah, and they have this really complex apology ceremony where he has to like get naked and arrange logs and sing songs what to was apologize. The, there was an alien race, I think it was on Next Generation, where they were mm. talking about how, in, in Next Generation, they have replicators. Mm. They take basic protein strands and they mm. make it into whatever sort of food and tasting and aesthetic you want, mm. and that's considered a good thing. And they're like, oh, well, we have these replicators. What can we replicate for you? You don't kill the animals yourselves? How barbaric! <laughs> <laughs> so, cultural yeah, I, differences! I love the cultural differences stuff yeah. in sci-fi. And this one's really actually funny, mm. because Boone keeps doing things but, by mistake that nearly start a war. Mm. Like, oh, well, here's, we have to make everything right again. And he, he gives the, the president a gift. He's like, here's a good luck charm. It's a little coin I carry yeah. in. And it gives it to the species. Turns out the metal that the coin is made of burns his hand. <laughs> like, Just uh, can't wait. fucking you, win! You, you gave me acid, you asshole! <laughs> So I, and I, I love that that the space rangers and Boone in particular are just they're they're screw ups. It's yeah, great. That's that's fun. I, you you start really starting to feel for them after and, and, a while. And I think that's part of why I started getting kind of a, un, in alignment with the show. However bad it was and however bad the storytelling was, I kind of started liking it at this point. It, it has its own viewpoint. It's mm. just kind of awkwardly yeah. presented. And I think there's a real nugget of something good in here that is never they didn't have time to find it. Mm. Um, so. Uh, this is the one that ends with, um, turns out, the young up-and-comer flyboy Kincaid. hotshot Kincaid. Yeah. Thank you, I forgot his name. <laughs> Kincaid keeps throughout the episode asking all of the other members of the ship to borrow money, and it turns out he's dating a scam artist uh-huh. that Thorson knew. So she so she sees him like, oh, this is who you've been dating? She punches the lady out in the bar. Yeah. Kincaid said, Thorson, you just punched my fiance. And she smiles and goes, yeah, I did. Freeze frame. Executive producer. Executive yeah. <laughs> Like, it's really funny. Like, it's yeah. a great way to end an episode. 
Episode five. Mm-hmm. To be or not to be. Oh, God. This is the last one on the disc. So this is the one I, that's freshest in my mind. Yes. This is the one with Buddy Hackett playing Lenny Hacker, uh, a has-been comedian. Who is, quote, famous for his dreadful comic style. Mm-hmm. Buddy Hackett is playing Buddy Hackett. And uh, he is the president in Escape from New York in this situation. He crash lands on a planet that has been left alone to be a prison. Yeah. There's no way on or off this planet. I don't know how they enforce that. I guess there's just no ships on it. It's the movie No Escape. They will need to have those drop pods. Well, that's how they land people on there, but you'd think some enterprising prisoner would turn those into an an escape device. Apparently not. Apparently not. But yeah, it's it's overrun by character actors you might recognize, and... uh, Yeah, Buddy Hackett crash lands on this planet. He's just a comedian. It turns out Kincaid, to sort of prove himself to his father, a famous general... Who is visiting. Who is visiting, uh, wants to do something kind of high profile, so he says, hey, why don't we rescue celebrity? And it turns Mm. out the other rangers are fans of the celebrity, Mm. so they say, sure, we'll do it. Well, the reason they're fans, it's not actually because he's funny, and and he's not. Mm. The reason is because he dedicated a huge portion of his career to actually traveling the outer rim of the galaxy, Mm. entertaining the troops. He was the USO comedian. Yeah, everyone liked that he did that. Everyone likes him as a person, they just don't necessarily think he's funny, and indeed, every time they bring up, oh yeah, Lenny Hacker is missing, even Captain Chanel is just like, He's alive? (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if they asked Bob Hope and he said no. It's actually really sad because this wasn't like Buddy Hackett's last credit, but it was getting up there. And Mm. there's this bit where he's in like this stupid looking sci-fi jumpsuit Mm. on a stupid looking planet. And he just says to himself, he's all alone. Uh And it's Buddy Hackett at the end of his career going, A rare moment of introspection. (laughs) Is this it? Is this the end? Wow. Talk about being canceled. Uh And I'm watching this and I'm just like... Did they know we're watching for this podcast? <laughs> Weird. Well, it, it's Buddy Hackett being introspective, but this is the last one on the DVD set, so I thought maybe that they, ha- they knew, knew that they were canceled at this point. Maybe, I don't know. They uh, uh, they they go to the planet, they fight off a couple of like prisoners who are trying to steal the ship. Doesn't work out too well for them. They they rescue everything. Buddy Hackett eventually gets a laugh out of Kara Hiroyuki Tagawa, and everyone's like, yay! Well, he gets back on the ship, and uh, I hate it when sci-fi writers try to write comedy because they're not funny. No. And well, they have an out because he's not supposed to be funny. He's not supposed to be funny. Maybe they wrote that into the script on purpose because they knew they couldn't write any good gags, <laughs> and they didn't want to hire just, Buddy Hackett just, to write his own material. Yeah, you can't afford Buddy Hackett to write. You can, you can, you can help we him can to get, show up. We can get acting Buddy Hackett. We can't get yeah. writing Buddy Hackett. Yeah. <laughs> like like when they hired Michael Jackson to be on the Sim- the Simpsons, like they they could afford talking Michael Jackson. They couldn't afford singing Michael Jackson, so they had a sound alike to do the singing bits. Oh, is that what happened? Yep. Weird. <laughs> he was a, he was a big fan of the Simpsons too. I mean, he wrote Bartman mm-hmm. or he co-wrote well, he, it anyway. He, he co-wrote. He, I think he helped produce. Yeah. Well, it was it was like, him. Though. Michael was, Jackson and idea. DJ Jazzy Jeff produced awesome. that. Yeah. Pretty yeah, cool. Amazing. Um, so that was that great, was, great time. That episode was just sort of awkward, mostly because of the career of Buddy Hackett. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, poor Buddy Hackett. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last episode, an episode they basically stole wholesale from the next generation, but it's still pretty good, mm-hmm. is The Trial. And in this episode, Kara Hiroyuki Tagawa is framed for murder mm-hmm. by the crime lord Izagol. Uh, the idea is that Kara Hiroyuki Tagawa had helped them arrest a fellow Graka who was committing crimes and was ashamed to the Graka race. Mm-hmm. Uh, that particular Graka was allowed free on a technicality. Uh, the Graka is met, and then Izagol, like, stunned or poisoned Kara mm-hmm. Hiroyuki Tagawa, so he loses memory. 
killed the dude and framed him for murder. And now uh, not only is Kira Hiroyaki to Gawa, mm-hmm. not only is Zylan on trial for murder, his whole race is. And it turns out there's a lot of bad blood about letting these aliens into the Space Rangers. There's only four total in oh. the Space Rangers. And this was finally an episode where they got to finally explain what's up with the Graka. <laughs> like, actually, like, really get into the nitty-gritty of how they work, what they do, why they are the way they are. He refuses to even testify on his own behalf because he doesn't have any memory of it, and he couldn't tell the truth if he wanted to, which, of course, he would. Mm. He's got a lot of dignity. This is a great piece for Karihiroki Tagawa in an episode that, in a series that mostly just asks him to be there and just be dignified. Be, be dignified and kind of badass. Yeah, he's great. Mm. He's a really great actor. He always, every role he's in, even if it's in a bad movie, he always brings something great to it. Mm. I love Kerry Hiro. <laughs> he's great, he's cool, he's sexy. Uh-huh. Like he's, he's, he's really the MVP of mm. the whole series. And this is a good little acting bit for him. Of course, Boone ends up uh, defending him, much like in the defending data episode of Next Generation. Yeah, I appreciate that he doesn't rush to defend him, and they actually like spend a couple of scenes raising money, trying Looking, to get a lawyer. <laughs> like, and there's there's a scene with a lawyer. It's like, no, I'm not. You can't afford me. I need a fee for this. Yeah. Mm. So Boone ends up doing it and almost screwing up a bunch. Like it's kind of funny. The episode ends with Colonel Weiss, who again has been eager to get a transfer. Oh. Um. He ends up actually like he has to be the judge, and they're like, "Oh God, Weiss is going to be such a suck up. He's just going to let the Graca take the fall because it'll make him look good to the higher ups at Central." He ends up doing his job. He yeah. ends up being very respectable, uh, and you know, uh, General Chenault or whoever she is, Chenault. Chenault, up, yeah. I just remember what her rank was. She goes up to him and just says, "Hey, you did really, really great. Uh, I just want you to know, I've, I, I'm going to put in for your transfer. I know it's what you really want. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you really came through for us today." And then, uh, like the judge or whatever, goes up to Weiss and just says, "You're doing a great job here. I'm going to make this position permanent." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, oh crap." <laughs> But yeah, Silent, obviously, he doesn't go to jail. Mm. Uh, goal goes to jail instead. And I'm sure he's going to come back and do mm. a bunch of stuff. But that's it. Mm. That was the end of Space Rangers. Just when it was kind of starting to find its footing and get a little more interesting, and you're able to sort of pick up on mm. who's who, what's what, and why's why, <laughs> it, it stopped. And it's... Yeah, that is everything, wasn't it? it? Yeah, it's a bit um, of a shame. I, there's a lot you could have done with this. Obviously, we never got to find out more about the Banshees. They really wanted us to, and I was I, curious. I... I it was six episodes in, and I feel like they were just starting to establish stuff. And I feel like if it had gone like a full season, we would have at least gotten like a really well thought, eventually well thought out premise and mm-hmm. universe. And yeah, it was cheap. Yeah, it wasn't really great to look at all the time. But no. we were finally fine. It was it was just barely getting a toehold when it was canceled. This is the kind of show that you and I have a soft spot for. <laughs> we just like this kind of cheesy sci-fi the, the er, junk. The early '90s cheesy sci-fi so, junk. So, is, so yeah. I'll admit we we lean more in this direction. Uh, this show, if it had only lasted a few episodes, I would say it was definitely not canceled too soon. Mm-hmm. There's a there's but there's a something Joss Whedon said once, which is your pilot episode isn't your pilot episode. Your first six episodes are your pilot episode. Mm-hmm. That's where you find your footing. Yeah. Especially for a show that is like trying something new, introducing a new world, it takes a little time to not only introduce the audience to all your characters, but introduce yourself to all of them, figure out how all the actors are playing them, find out what dynamic works, what thing you want to repeat, mm. what thing you want to never try again. Space Rangers was just becoming Space Rangers. Yeah. When it yeah. ended, and I'm not sure, I'm actually I'm actually on the fence whether <laughs> it was canceled too soon. But I would have liked to have seen more. So I think oh, it was canceled. Too I think soon. it was. I think I think it was canceled too soon. I as think well. it earned at least a full season. It, it to find it, itself before we made a decision. It, it needed a full thirteen. 
mm-hmm. before we can judge properly. And I, I'm, I'm left at a point where I did want to see more, mm-hmm. I, where I did start to feel a little bit of affection for the characters, where mm-hmm. I started getting a good sense of what their relationships were to one another. Um, whether or not I liked it, I got a sense of what was going on. And mm-hmm. I feel like had they had the time to really start exploring it a little bit, we would have had a lot of our questions answered. Yeah. I feel like the, the showrunners maybe even had it in their heads where they wanted to go with this by this point in the show, but it was snatched away from us. And we can only <laughs> speculate. Um, so, yes, uh, Space Rangers was canceled too soon. I, I, I think I agree. Space Rangers is available on DVD. Um, it's not a great DVD. Oh. It, the, the transfers are, are merely adequate. Um, it says it's. It says the series is nine hours and seventeen minutes, but that's because it includes not only all six episodes, mm. but in addition to that, the episodes edited together as three movies, which we didn't watch. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't check that out. Um, mm. I don't know why that's a feature on the DVD. I think they were released that way sure, in certain markets. Yeah, I think I'm guessing in international markets. Mm. When, when, if it was canceled before it had a chance to air, they probably yeah packaged it as three TV movies, and that was easier to sell than a canceled six episode show but if you're curious about space rangers it is available on dvd from mill mm. creek entertainment uh we it was, again it was donated to us for amazon wishlist you can find it there it's like five bucks it's like <laughs> it's a pretty small investment oh. if this sounds like your jam it's cool you pointed out a weird thing about the dvd that i mm. completely neglected why don't you explain <laughs> it to the nice people well it says space rangers in big letters at the top and then as, at the, as it would at the bottom it says the complete sci-fi cult classic tv series which is a bit of an exaggeration it's but okay. not a cult classic it's complete but it is complete <laughs> give you that. uh the phrase complete sci-fi cult classic tv series uh, and i don't know why i noticed this sort of thing but the font is from the movie Batman Forever. Yeah, if you look at the Batman Forever poster, mm. it has these, you know, very particular lettering where like mm. the letters are sort of pointy in certain particular points. It's the exact same font we checked. It's the same yeah. font, yeah. And you've only just noticed this. And uh, the phrase Space Rangers up at the top was the same font they used for Star Trek, but specifically the Next Generation movies. Yeah, you look at the movie on the, posters. On the film posters for uh Generations, first contact. The phrase Star Trek is in that font. Yeah, you can really tell if you look at the S and the R. They're mm. very particularly kerned. Um, so th- <laughs> they, this is a slap job stolen from other other recognizable genre things. I guess that's very fitting. But if you look, pay attention to the font on Space Rangers itself, it's the same font as Law and Order. So, uh, oh God. <laughs> It's a very, very popular font at the time. Jesus, can't fucking win. I don't know why I have to go on about fonts, but it, it's recognizable if you yeah. watch enough TV. So uh, thank you. Thank you for sending so us th- Space Rangers. Thank you to Christian for sending that in. Uh, uh-huh. We're glad we could watch all six episodes and discover something that we didn't necessarily love, but kind of jammed on. All right. Uh, do we have any letters for Cancel uh, Oh, we got soon? letters. Oh, we got letters. Okay, cool. Well, you're, uh, well you're looking up letters. Uh, I, will, I will tease what's, what's to come. So again, uh, we would like you to write in B movies podcast, all one word at mm. gmail.com. Make sure you put cancel too soon at the at the title here. We will be accepting your votes for the best episodes of Cancel Too Soon so far, mm. up until about April 20th. Uh, we will also be accepting your suggestions for what you would like to see via Patreon. What can we offer you that you would like mm. uh, that uh, you might be actually be willing to spend a little money on? If you were so inclined, uh, we have a bunch of ideas already. If we, if you don't have any thoughts, don't worry about it. But if there's something in particular, let us know. <laughs> and we'll, we will figure that out. Uh, next week on the show, 
Mm. We will be reviewing a very recently canceled program <laughs> that lasted two episodes. Mm. It is Catherine Heigl and Elliot Gould in <sighs> doubt. It's not an adaptation of that Meryl Streep movie. It mm. is a lawyer show that is currently available on Amazon for $3 an episode. Again, there are only two episodes. Or you can buy the whole season for $20. <laughs> That's fucked up. All right, so... <laughs> They, 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 it, it's clearly automated. They it's didn't know automated. what they were doing. They didn't know it was going to be canceled after two episodes, but yeah. you still can spend $20 on a show that will not release more episodes. So that's fine. All right. This one comes from Gary Bonesteel. Uh, great name. Great name. Uh, this, then the title of the letter is Lears in Limbo. Hello again. On your episode of Manimal, oh. you brought up Lears in Limbo, stating that it sounds like a buddy cop show y'all would cover. It's <laughs> true. Uh, well, you'd be happy to know I dug up the history on Lears in Limbo. Another. Yay! We're creating lots of alternate realities. Alternate realities. Not only so. are these shows not canceled in our reality, but also we have Lears in Limbo. never existed. And Time Gimmick, which, mm. yes, we will record Time Gimmick at some point. Someone wrote the so, script some point, for yeah. Time Gimmick. We will get to it. Mm. It's not at the top of our list because we're trying to get our Patreon Lear, done. But yeah. Lears in Limbo is an 11-episode buddy cop show that aired on CBS from September 9th, 1998 through December 9th, 1998. The show stars Charles Bronson as Samuel Lears, a hard-drinking retired detective, and Bruce Campbell as Johnny Limbo Moores. Sold. <laughs> Best show ever. <laughs> done. When, when did Bronson die? mid-90s so i might have been dead in 98 oh so i don't think we can put him on that show well hold on Uh, maybe it's his brother (laughs) Chaz bronson uh the show is set in a a resort in the bahamas where leers like to watch girls and drink away his days and limbo is the resort's activity director in the first episode sex on the beach limbo drags leers into helping him clear the name of a resort guest named bunny who is accused of killing her much older husband correction Charles Bronson died in 2003. Okay. Lose Limbo was real. (laughs) Oh, God. Really old Charles Bronson. (laughs) 78-year-old Charles Bronson. And 98-era Bruce Campbell. That's a good era for Bruce Campbell. The two strike up an unlikely friendship and clear Bunny's good name. Ultimately, the show failed due to lack of chemistry between the two characters and the lack of compelling action scenes due to Bronson's age. It also didn't help that due to the show's name, it earned a reputation as the show all about being leering the women in bikinis, which ran counter to CBS's wholesome touched by an angel brand. (laughs) (laughs) He even, oh God, he even lists all the names of the episodes and they're all named after drinks. Go on. Sex on the Beach, Whiskey Sour, Mudslide, Hairy Navel, because that's different than a fuzzy navel, uh, Pink Squirrel, I've never heard of a pink squirrel, uh, Rusty Nail, yep. a Seven and Seven, Irish Coffee, Tom Collins, White Russian, and Dirty Mother, another drink I'm unfamiliar <laughs> with. Thanks for the indulgence, Bone Steel. P.S. If you need any ad- additional readers for Time Gimmick, I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> we, we'll, uh, we'll get to Time Gimmick, we uh, promise. <laughs> This one comes from Mitch. Uh, hey, Bibs and Sibes. Got to throw in uh, my hat into the ring and recommendation uh, a recommendation for the show Flash Forward, a 22 season one season wonder. Uh, Flash Forward. And he just sort of quotes the Flash Forward. Flash Forward's on page. our list. Flash uh, Forward's on our list. It was created by Bronn and Braga and David S. Goyer, a big, uh, mm-hmm. big sci-fi dudes. I don't think we have Flash Forward. You know, I'm thinking of Daybreak. We have Daybreak right now. Right. I don't think we have Flash Forward mm-hmm. yet. But uh, it's on our list. It's mm-hmm. something we're, we're well aware of and we've had a few recommendations for it. Mm-hmm. We'll get to it. 
We'll get yeah. to it at some point. Yeah. Uh, it was the first serialized TV show uh, I followed back in middle school, and it became my first exposure to John Cho and Joseph Fiennes, who were on the show. Yeah. Not sure if it still holds up, but I know there will be moments of joy and contention to see you next season. Mitch Gosser. Well, it's actually there were a couple of flash forwards because mm-hmm. there was the flash forward um, mm-hmm. in 2009, which was about everyone like sort of getting a vision of the future, uh-huh. and then there was flash forward, sort of a sitcom. About two best friends, as I'm just quoting IMDb here, mm. two best friends who narrate the ups and downs of middle school while comparing it to moments from when they were little. Aww. And it starred Ben Foster. Uh, wow, okay. And Jewel State from Firefly. Sold. <laughs> yeah, that sounds cool. We got to trick both of those down. Uh, I, ben Do Foster. Flash forward month. Ben Foster's been good ever since he was a teenager. He's if you ever, good in everything. Yeah, he, if, if you ever saw that movie, nobody ever saw uh, Big Trouble. Yeah. Uh, this movie that came out in the. Yeah, it was, we love that movie. I, I, well, I love it. I, I, I have to talk about it a lot because nobody's ever heard of it because mm. it was re- it was going to be released right in the wake of 9-11. And one of the plot points is it was about terrorism. About, well, it's about two bumbling people who managed to, thanks to airports incompetence, sneak a nuclear bomb onto a plane. And it was supposed before 2001. That's funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> After 2001, not so much. Not so much. So they, they had to push it back and they released it in 2002 and it still wasn't funny and nobody saw it. It's hilarious. It's a hilarious movie, and Ben Foster plays the teenage son in that one, and he's great. All right, what else have we got? Uh, Also from Mitch, uh, he also remembers a pilot from the Sci-Fi Channel that never got picked up, The Amazing Screw-On Head. We have that. We have that, yeah. We'll get to that at some point. A 2006 animated pilot based on the Eisner-winning one-shot comic book written and drawn by Mike Mignola, the uh, Hellboy guy, Yeah. and published by Dark Horse Comics. Do it it as a mini-episode. Well... We follow orders, I suppose. <laughs> no, that's, not, that's that's literally on yeah. our shelf. We we have that yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, and that's all we got. Really? That's it? We're caught up in Canceled Too Soon We're caught letters? up on Canceled Too Soon Well, letters. Jesus, send us some Canceled Too Soon letters. Yeah. Again, we will accept your uh, your nominations mm-hmm. uh, for the best uh, episodes of our show so far. And again, rank them one, two, three, and mm-hmm. we'll give them points accordingly. And again, it really helps us figure out what we want to do in the next season, uh, which will begin in May. Mm-hmm. Um and also, uh, yeah, just email us your questions, responses. Do you remember watching Space Rangers when it came out? Mm-hmm. Were you a big fan of Space Rangers? Did you think Space Rangers mm-hmm. sucked? Anything at all. You wanna, did you watch Doubt last month? <laughs> and you want to talk to us about Doubt? Send us an email. We'll read it on the Doubt episode. Um, it'll be a blast. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. Here's another letter. Oh, okay. We got one. one more. This one comes from Canadian Keith. Oh, hi, Keith. Uh, he, he writes infrequently. Yes, he does. He's we awesome. Li- we like hearing from you, Canadian Keith. Uh, he, and he just wants to suggest Viva Laughlin. Uh, a musical series with Hugh Jackman. Yes, I'm aware of it. I it, actually don't think I was. He says it, it might not list, be though. available uh, except through like pirate sites, though. It only lasted well, two episodes. We'll see what we can do. Mm. Obviously, we want to cover everything, and we're mm. doing our best. So, yeah. Viva Laughlin is on the list. <laughs> there Boom. you go. You just added it. You can hear it being tippity typed. <laughs> uh, everybody, thank you so much for listening to Cancel Too Soon. We'll be back next week with a review of the Catherine Heigl series, Doubt. Mm-hmm. And we've got a lot of cool stuff coming for you. We just planned out our, our uh, next month. We're going to do a couple of uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 tie-ins that celebrate the return of Mystery Science Theater 3000, <laughs> which we're both very excited about. We're going to do Earth 2 for Earth Day. Mm-hmm. And we got our big award show, and then we got cool stuff coming up after that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I love doing this show. I love doing the show with you, Whitney. Thank you so much. And I love that other people I, seem to be enjoying themselves. People are enjoying themselves. We're enjoying doing it. I enjoy spending time with you. Thanks, friend. <laughs> Um, and uh, yeah, again, let us know your Patreon suggestions, let us know your votes, uh, and send us any other emails, questions, and anything at all. Be creative with your Patreon suggestions. Yeah. 
I mean, we, we we're not going to do everything, but like, but we want we, we, we have we a cool want, idea. We'll but, do it. But I mean, the rule is, you actually got to want it. You yeah, can't just suggest goofy stuff yeah, for the make sake sure of it. Sure, it's something you would actually spend a mm. little money to get because we don't want to add something that just for the hell of it. We want to make sure that people would actually mm. feel like they got some value out of that. Yeah, uh, and we want to give you. We want to give you value. We want to give you really cool stuff that makes you really really happy. We That's get, why we, we do this. We want to give you hugs. We, if you can hug. find us, we'll give you a hug. <laughs> Free hug. You don't even need to be a patron server. You find us, you get a hug. I, I, cool. I may be the bitter jerk on the show, but I give very warm hugs. You do. So, uh, everybody, thank you so much. We will see you next time with Doubt. And uh, that's a wrap, folks. See you next season.